All good. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to a very special edition of Occupational Therapy, the podcast about me looking for my next occupation and Zach tell Rags what he has walked into today. Rags is your name? Yeah. All right. Rags. Uh, Jared is a friend of mine who you may or may not know. Actually, didn't you work at Jingle Punks for a long time? I still do. He still, still does work there. All right, so this is a different kind of podcast. Rags, a current employee of Jingle Punks, Jared's old company, which he had to leave uh, January 1st, uh, he now has a two-year cease and desist, no competition clause where he's not able to write jingles. So he's looking for his next gig. And you've been chosen because you are a man who lives life to the fullest. We don't get a lot of guys like you. You're the kind of guy who, you know, goes around the world whenever he wants, spends most of his life on a bicycle. I don't know enough about you to know, but I do know that Jared needs a new job and maybe you're the kind of guy who can train him in what you do for a living. Well, the thing about Rags is that he, I consider him more of a philosopher than, a, than anything. And he's someone who's managed to figure out the method for happiness. And a lot of that uh, I saw and it sparked to a job that I would be very interested in to understand how he got into it, why, but he was a pedicab driver in Austin and we met and he was like, I met this guy and you don't, you know, you take pedicabs places here and there when you're at the baseball game or on a date or something. But we met and we became just like this. We became friends like day one because of many different things. Rex, why don't you start about when you and I met and how we actually met? Because this is as interesting as even before he became a pedicab driver. Yeah, this it was a crazy story. And I tell all my like new clients, you know, in the music business about it, about it. Um, and they're all really like they're just like blown away. But basically, I was driving a pedicab during South by Southwest uh, back in 2012, and I picked up four jingle punks, including Jared, um, and gave him a ride in my pedicab. Um, and that was that was basically the beginning of the story. And I gave him, I kept giving him rides, and we just became friends. Ended up doing uh, advertising on the pedicabs for Jingle Punks because, like, my advertisers had pulled out in the last minute during during South by. So it it was, uh, yeah, it was like this beginning of like a really great friendship. And every year during South by, we just you know we like figured it amplified. Something. But even yeah. that first year, you said to me, "Hey, Jared, what would you do with?" 20 or 30 pedicabs if we could. I'm a person who never had a plan in the universe. I react to things. And Rag is just going to me, what would you do with, you know, this many pedicabs? I said, well, how much? And he just came back and I was like, well, how much brain power am I going to have to put into it? And he were like, send me the logo. I got the rest. And that was the year that Jingle Punks kind of blew up at South by because we were on a pedicab that was meant to be for like some blue chip brands that had real money, like the Amazons or the Hulu's or the Netflixes. So we were punching above our weight and everywhere that people went that year, much like kind of the story of anything we've done, you know, even like in our new business with audio up, we punch above our weight and we do silly things. But what caught me with rags was that I said, look, I now know you, you live in the city you, um, you know, I don't really want to make new relationships in Austin during South by because it's a bit of a clusterfuck. So he would pick us up and drop us off everywhere we went. And we were just had him on, on sort of speed dial that year. And it, I thought, you know, hey, that was amazing. Great experience. That'll be that. But then the next year we come back, and I think that was the year with the bus, right? 
Yes, we had you had the bus, and you guys were performing. Um, I think at the Woody Awards. Yeah, with Chitty Bang. But that year, basically, Rags was like, "Hey, man, I can if you rent this bus and you live on it, I can drive you to and from." And it, it grew every year. Then it was like the Airstream. Then it was. But I think that the thing that caught my attention was every time I'd go back there, I only saw him in chapters of his life, like one week out of the year for about five years. And each time he was like growing his empire there, super happy. And I was thinking to myself, how do you, how did you even end up in Austin? How did you even pick pedicab driving? Like take take us there. So I, you know, when I graduated college, I had no fucking clue of what I wanted to do with my life. All I knew was that I liked to play guitar and I like to ride bicycles. And I flew out to California with my bicycle and proceeded to cycle back to Boston, 6,000 miles via Daytona Beach, Florida for spring break. What? I was, yeah, sleeping in a tent. I think in 6,000 miles, I stayed in two hotel rooms. And um, wow. on trip, I came through Austin. I'd never been to that part of the country. I'd never been to Austin. And I came to Austin and I saw people on pedicabs giving rides and making money. And I'm like, I just biked here from San Diego. I'm like, I could be getting paid for pedaling. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. So I eventually moved to Austin and started pedicabbing. And then I'm like, well, if I am doing this, you know, it's like, you know, I might as well just turn into a business and hire people and like do, if I'm going to do it, I might as well, you know, make it more legitimate. So I started buying up pedicabs like one by one with like my basically just the money that I earned from pedicabbing plus some credit cards here and there. But it was, you know, there was no like don't, you know, family money or there was no like I didn't get help from anybody. So, well, hold struggle. on, hold on, back up. You got help from <laughs> Uncle Bob Barker. So that's not yeah. entirely yeah. true. Tell yeah. us, Zach, this story, if I told you this, it's too crazy to be true. Tell so, us how. This is the beginning of his movie called Rags to Riches. No, so there wasn't there wasn't really any raw cash from that that But I tell won. him what happened because he doesn't but even I, know what happened. What yeah, what's I, the ball markers? Oh, I won on the price I won a double showcase on the price right back in two thousand and five. Okay. And um, in that I I won a, a car, a Pontiac vibe, which was the car that I ended up moving to Austin with. So in a sense, if it wasn't for that car, I maybe have not made the move. So I, I will give credit to Bob Barker, and it was this last year of being the host of The Price is Right back then. Wow, what Can did you take, Yeah, take us to the moment. Tell Zach the moment when you were, like, stepping up. Like, you got to – what games did you play on Price is Right? And, <laughs> and then tell us what – tell him – explain to him in detail what happened with the Showcase Showdown because it was kind of an amazing clip, and you can see it on the internet too. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean – uh, my buddy and I had driven across the country to move out to California and he was, he had the obsession to win on the prices, right? And he stayed at the farmer's daughter hotel across the street from uh, a studio and tried to get on 17 times in a row. And then the one time that I came out there from, from the desert where I was living in Palm desert, um, like I got picked, went down, got called. <laughs> so he's like trying to get on, you know, like for a month, he spent a month of his life trying different picks and costumes. And I just show up, uh, and get called down. I ended up, you know, playing pushover to get up on stage for like a bed and some other shit, like didn't win, but then go into, did you uh, do Plinko? 
No, 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 no. Push over. It, it's like a, yeah, you push these, like the numbers, oh, I know. The numbers uh, yeah. into these brackets to, to guess the price. I didn't win, but I made it up for the, the wheel spinning. So I ended up with spinning 90, 90 on the wheel in two tries. Uh, I also had a question about the wheel. I, it always looked because they had like metal things on them. Could your clothing have gotten caught and get sucked in? Because I always wondered when somebody was going to get sucked into that giant wheel. Uh, I guess it's possible if you had like a long flowing dress and the, <laughs> wind, and the wind kicked up the last minute. <laughs> so you win Price is Right. You, uh, you, Hold you on, start... I want to hear about the Showcase Showdown. Okay. Part. So, then okay, so Showcase Showdown, I'm going up against a U.S. Marine, Master Sergeant Carlos, um, who we, <laughs> actually, we were actually chatting with earlier, like we were sitting across from each other before we went on stage. Um, or before we all got called down. So, um, yeah, he, he ended up being like 800, like $8,000 under. And, um, you know, my showcase comes up, uh, my buddies in the audience are, they're shouting 17,000, 17,000. And I'm thinking that Carlos was going to be a little bit closer. So I'm like, I'm going to bump it up to 19. So they call the, the price of my showcase was 19,240. And you have to be within 250 to win two showcases. So within $10. The I, odds are, are next to impossible. I haven't seen a ton of people win double. I, yeah, it's like one a year maybe. Wow. The sirens flash double showcase. Like my and the buddy, producers, oh, oh shit, where are we going to? We got to pay this kid. <laughs> I, no, it's a win-win. I, they probably get that shit for free. You know, it's like paid advertising. It's the most brilliant idea for What else did you get besides a Pontiac vibe? So in both showcases, I won uh, a gas grill, Krispy Kreme donuts for a year, um, a computer, <laughs> a trip to Ireland, a 26-foot trailer. And Damn, where's the trailer? Uh, <laughs> I sold that for drug money. All right. Now we're getting. <laughs> now we're getting honest. Now we're. Did you end up? Uh, did, when you with the show, the Price is Right. Did, you know they obviously have the showcase ladies. Did you end up meeting anyone special when you were on set? Um, I mean, now just, that you were newly minted winner, just the Barker beauties. You know, but yeah. they're not like you know they might. You know they might have a second job of doing you know porn in a Burbank hotel room afterwards. That's it. They're not. <laughs> 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 I was always wondering are those people who win the stuff that you just obviously do not want how much they sell it for like they unload it so yeah no it's it's a racket because the the dealer will get the like the dealer had the trailer and they know you're like you know you don't want to go there and pick it up and sell it right so like you know well yeah we'll give you like 10 grand and it's worth like 30 so yeah so I got ripped off but whatever I mean Got some good yeah, weed out a lot of, of the A lot of the people that we've spoken to on this show are people who are on, also just like, they say they were lucky or they didn't take a direct path to where they were. But I, do you feel like you're lucky to, you know, to have been able to do all the things you've been able to do? Like, you have a job now where you get to, you know, not get paid to ride your bike, but you can ride to and from work every day. You've obviously taken a huge amount of your life to, you know, as close to being a pro racer without getting paid for it as possible. But like, what? kind of joy does riding bring you every day oh yeah i mean i feel to begin with i feel like so lucky you know to have you know complete did the pedicab thing in austin and had a really fun time with it and then from that i met you back then and then that's how i got 
hooked up with Jingle Punks in California. And I mean, now I live in like, you know, the most beautiful part of the country. I live in Topanga up in the mountains and I get to bicycle to Santa Monica uh, and back most days of the week. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's a complete dream. You know, I found an amazing place to live um, and have made some amazing friends in California. You know, it's, I feel like everybody wants to be in California and Los Angeles, but you know, it's so hard to make it work. So just to be able to be here and, you know, be, have a solid footing, I feel so lucky. Did you end up selling your pedicab business out in Austin? Yeah, as soon as I started at Jingle Punks, as soon as I got the job, I decided I didn't want to deal with the headache. I mean, there, there are a lot of factors within the industry that changed. Like when I started, there was no Uber, there was no Lyft. Oh, right. There were now there's more pedicabs on the scene. And then, you know, just they cracked like, down pretty hard. One year when I was with you in Austin, I got a ticket for too oh, many people in the car. Yeah, with you the I mean, there were, there were like times where there was like minor paperwork, like... <laughs> like a lapse in my registration with the city and they were going to like shut me down. And just the stress of having all of that on your shoulders and not being part of the company is, is um, it's a big change. So, I mean, for anybody starting at their own business, you know, unless they've already done it, it's, there's so many things that can and will go wrong. I mean, like Jared, you, you had so much, that's with Jingle Punks. And I'm like, you know, such an admirer of that, like, to make, to grow a business, to make it successful, to sell it, and then move on like you're doing now to, to do something else. It's, and, it's, it's but to be honest, when, when I hit the wall a few uh, years ago and I was like, it was getting harder and harder to find new employees. It was getting harder and harder to find people who believed in the business the way that day one people in the business did. And when Jesse and Dan did this mental exercise with me being like, what would a perfect employee look like? I said, well, they would not be afraid to, to, you know, drive to and from locations if something was needed. They would be uh, not a yes man, but also a true believer. They would be willing to be improvisational and entrepreneur. And, that, and then Jesse's like, dude, you're describing rags from South by South. <laughs> and I said, well, then let's fucking hire him. And they're like, that's crazy. He doesn't have, he's not, a, he didn't come from a music background. The pedigree was different, but it turned out that we were right, you know, and, and that sort of thing, the big business lesson there is that you're going to meet people that look perfect on paper, Zach, but then you're going to meet people that actually are creative problem solvers. And I think that your mindset, you spend so much time at work in your life that you don't realize how important the people that you surround yourself with can change your environment. You know, when I, before Jingle Punks, um, I would work at Viacom or any, and there'd be always the types of office, like the, the gossip, the the negative Nancy, there'd be some guy there who was always trying to scare everybody. It's like, the business is going out of business. But like <laughs> very few people, you know, would be like, man, I have a station. This is my job. I want to do it to the best of my ability with, and take all that stuff out of it. And that's really, when he came to LA, it was the last chapter for me where I was like, this could be fun again. But the bigger lesson there was that like, it's people. Yeah, I think uh, I, that's interesting to me because I have met you, Rags, and I always saw you around the office. I'm like, that guy's cool. He's really nice. I, I like him. I had no idea that you had no musical, like, official production background or anything and that Jared found you probably buzzed in a cab in Austin. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but that just says, hey, that's cool. You have something that people want to work with. And it, sometimes it does take hiring outside the box. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I work in essentially – you know, in accounts and sales. So I think people who work in sales 
the product is important to know the product, but it's, you know, you can learn that pretty quickly. Um, and then, but the real skill is, you know, how to deal with people and how to sell, yeah. how to sell yourself essentially, because people are dealing with, you know, people want to buy, you know, licensed music from, from jingle punks because they want to deal with me. You know, when I meet them, I take, take them out to lunch, take them out to dinner for drinks. You know, it's a personal relationship. They can go, I mean, there are other libraries that, you know, are, that can do basically the same thing. I'm not saying they're better than us, but you know, essentially it's, it's selling yourself more than anything. Um, but I did have some background. I also did work in real estate. So I was selling houses, uh, back in Austin when I, as well, like in, in tandem with doing the, the, uh, pedicab, pedicab business. Craig Susser talked about that as well. The restaurant, it's the people and it's the, it's the vibe yeah. you put out and being it, making people feel comfortable. It's, you know, all, real estate sales, insurance sales, it's all the same product. You know, you want to buy from somebody you trust. It's going to be that psychological, you know, difference. But um, Rags and I had a goal that I never achieved. Uh, I said that when Jingle Punks was over, for me at least, that I wanted to cycle across the country. I thought that there would be some big parting of the Red Sea moment. And maybe, maybe after this COVID thing, maybe it was a pause. Maybe it wasn't supposed to be right after Jingle Punks. Would you still be up for doing like a one-month flits like, take, you know, get everything on the bikes and go and, uh, cause I would do that still, but do you think I have what it takes in the shape that I've been in, in my COVID bod that's going on right now? <laughs> oh, what a visual. <laughs> to, to do this. Like, do you think that that's something we have can you, do? Have you gained the, uh, the COVID-19? A hundred percent. It's not even a joke. It's true. <laughs> it's a, a 19, 19 pounds. Probably. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I think that to enjoy it, you know, you don't want to like just jump into something that's like extremely physically challenging. I'm not saying that you couldn't do it, but I think it makes sense to train for it and to build it up slowly. So you don't. What get, if I just wanted you to just pedicab me across the country? That's and better. Phone calls. I mean, the entire time. Like, yeah, pay me a good wage. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll be there with you guys, but I'm going to be in a car, uh, hundred, four hundred miles ahead. I'll just actually put this on my calendar. I'll be waiting at the hotel bar for you guys to arrive. We definitely should do it. And I think do something to, to film it, and, you know, to film it and create like a story and like a charitable donate, like some, some sort That's of, right. you know, and, and I think that, yeah, like, you know, doing some event at the end would be really cool too. Like, you know, and getting people on board for like maybe a live show or, you know, like, let's say we bike to Phoenix or let's say we bike to Austin or however much, you know, wherever we can go, we have enough time to do it you do an event at the end and you have sponsors on board and you, you, you know, you raise a bunch of money and you create a piece of content that would be interesting for people to watch. I love that. And by the way, sadly, this whole COVID nonsense started with us supposed to be down at Austin with audio up launching. So it's kind of full circle at the end of this thing. If we were going to do the Austin, you know, South by that never was, we right. could possibly, and who knows when that's going to be really at this point. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, back to that. I mean, yeah, like imagine I was riding, running my pedicab business in Austin. Like that should, that is what out right now. I mean, I have a question for you. You don't have to answer this. Uh, is Rags a nickname, like your real name, like Mark Ragdowski or something? Like where, where does it come from? Ragnar. Rag, that's your first name? Yep. That's like a Viking name. I'm a fucking Viking. Yeah. Oh, shit. What's your last name? Like Olafsson? 
Olsen. Oh, close. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why didn't you win that movie Thor, dude? You could have been the guy. Yeah, well, you know. You're a very striking figure. Too late. Yeah. You have the Norse, the Nordic look, you know. You, how many miles a, um, a week do you th- say you ride in your bike? Um, I mean, on a regular week when I'm Dude. going to work stuff, yeah. like I would say I ride, you know, 200 to 300 miles a week. Dude, so, you don't understand. He would take me on bike rides that were the hardest rides of my life, going up like Sullivan Fire Road, and I'd be like puking. And then afterwards, he's like, well, I'm going back to Topanga. And he'd do the same thing. He'd take he'd <laughs> ride me back to my house. Then go through Brentwood and go over the thing. He look, he's uh, in a relationship right now, but he used to show up to dates, like Tinder dates on a bike, right? I have, yeah. Nice. That's a, that's kind of that's a commitment because look, you know, you can be sweaty. It's not a great, you know, but that's confidence showing up to a date on a bike. Yeah, like most girls don't really like that, especially in LA. In Austin, it might. <laughs> In Austin, it might work in your favor. They're like, oh, this guy's cool. He rides a bike. Better than rolling up on a bird scooter. In LA, it's like, no. <laughs> you have like a car, too. Yeah, so do you have a car, too, or is it just a bike? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Rags, so committed. And he has, I had a vanity plate that said Jingle Jared, and he has the jingler. Nice. <laughs> I have it right outside. Which sounds like a, like a naughty... Thing. Jingler. Uh, I remember Jesse said one time his one of his clients was driving down the PCH and she saw she said it looked like like a, a male model driving around with the top down on a BMW with mice with a jingler. And she goes, by any chance, does that person work for jingle punks? And he's like, describe <laughs> him. <laughs> he goes, Oh yeah, that's rags. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, Rags, man, you know, we've had all sorts of entrepreneurs on this show. We've had NBA players. We've had Steve Levitan who created Modern Family. I think that your true gift has been unlocking, you know, happiness. And you've, it hasn't been easy, you know, moving to LA and meeting new people. And also, you know, you had your, you know, series of, you know, health things, but your positive spirit and the way that like your attachment to your, you know, the thing that you're passionate about and keeping that going. I feel like that's a big lesson for people. It's like, they got to find their version of their bike in life and really just keep riding. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, everybody should have this one thing or one or two things that just makes them like, so, you know, happy and like excited about every day that, you know, and it's not something that you can like get to an end goal you know, because when it comes to cycling or when it comes to like traveling on a bike or it comes to playing music, you know, you can't, there's never like an end to that. You know, you can always get better at it. You can always become a better guitar player. You can always get in better shape You can always go to new places and explore more of the planet. Um, so every time I see my bike, every time I look at a guitar, it like, wow, pure inspiration. And I just, you know, obviously you're going to have times where, you know, you're not feeling so good. You don't really yeah. want to rock so much. You don't want to play guitar as much. But, you know, those are like the struggles, the heart, those are the hard, the hardest times when you play you know, through. Yeah. To, to fight through. But, you know, overall, like if you have those lifelong passions, I think that it'll make your life a lot more uh, fulfilled. If you ever watch some kind of monster with Metallica, I, ahead of watching that, I read an article where James Hetfield, they said, oh, for Guitar Magazine, do you practice every day? And he goes, hell no. I see my guitar and it kind of like turns me off because that's my job. 
do you think you'd feel differently if you were training for the Olympics and every day somebody was pushing you to be on the bike and, you know, cause you could have been a pro cyclist, man, but you, that's just not your, your bag. Yeah. I think very few like pro athletes and I think very few professional musicians who like make a living playing music. I think, you know, very few of them can keep that going and not get burnt out. Um, you know, or disenfranchised or jaded from, from the industries that, cause they're just so cutthroat, you know, whether you're an athlete or you're a musician, like those two, you know, those two things are like probably the hardest jobs that you could be. So be in. So, I mean, I think, you know, having that, those as hobbies and then, you know, treat, having my job as, you know, which I'm also passionate about, but you know, I can separate the two. So when I get done with work, I hop on my bike. I'm like, it's just for pleasure. You know, it's fitness, but essentially it's for feeling good. And same with playing music. I wouldn't really want to do that and try to be like, oh, I'm going to be the next big thing. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, have all my, at one point in my life, I wanted to, I thought like that. Um, but, you know, as you get older, you realize that it's much more realistic to do things for, for, for the pleasure of it. Well, Zach, what do you think? Petty cab driver is my next profession. You think I'm capable and zen enough to find no. a station? No. You can do a, pel a Peloton cab. <laughs> Those don't go anywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I'd like to try it for a day of all the professions I've seen so far, but it's maybe for vain reasons. I'd like to try it and just, you know, maybe, maybe I would, that's I would, the next, like, Brentwood fat health craze. Be a pedicab driver. I, don't know. I would love to see it. I think the content would be amazing too. Uh, but a day. I think a day. You really need to a have day. the – First of all, I've seen your calf muscles. I don't think they're, they compare to Rags's. Although, although, those are – wow. Those are Diamond. tasty. Diamond calves, yeah. <laughs> no, well, um, let me – I got to clarify though. Like being a pedicab driver and owning a pedicab business are two separate jobs. And I would say that what burnt me out – was owning the business. It, I still pedicab pretty much for fun and extra cash here and there. Um, and I fucking love it. I mean, just where reading, can we see you if, if people hear this podcast, they want to find rags. Uh, to ride with it. Well, I mean now nobody, you know, there's no pedicabbing at the moment, but you know, I've, I've pedicab like events at the Coliseum. Um, you know, I, I'd possibly pedicab in Santa Monica down by the beach, but like it's, it's, it's such a, you know, it can, it can be a grind too, but like just having people like jump in your cab, meeting people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Like I met so many more people than, um, I ever would otherwise doing petty cabs. And then before that I was working, I worked as a golf caddy for 15 years. So like I met so many people through that. So I really do think that we'd have clients that like, you know, Steve Levitan would be like, I think I saw your guy from Jingle Punks like caddying with me this morning. <laughs> Like, the legend of how crazy our company is is only bolstered by the people we've surrounded ourselves with. You being probably the, the number one with a bullet, like when clients would be like, yo, I saw you at like Brentwood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a brief period where I was caddying at Brentwood. Unbelievable. And you'd wake up like hella early before work. That's what, that's what ruined it for me. The 5 a.m. wake-up call, then you had to go no, to Jingle Punks afterwards? No, like, because, no, caddying, I would have to get up uh, to go to Brentwood Country Club to caddy. I'd have to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. Jeez. I just couldn't do it. Like, it, it would just screw up my whole rhythm. 
So. Well, I mean, obviously, I think you are a man who enjoys meeting people, enjoys talking to new people, and enjoys experience. And I think Jared has a lot of that in him. Uh, when this whole COVID-19 thing is over, I would, I would say let's get Jared on one of your cabs, ride him up and down Santa Monica for a day, and let's do this. I would I love to. Yeah, I don't have, I don't own any cabs, but I have access to my buddy's pedicabs. Cool. I'm in. Thank you, Rags. You're the best, man. This is what you're easily, with all the people we've met, if someone said to me, well, who would be the three people you could have dinner with? I'd say Mahatma Gandhi, Jesus Christ, and Rags. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're amazing, dude. Uh, Keep on keeping on. And everybody, thank you for listening to uh, Occupational Therapy with my co-host, Zach Selwyn. Take it easy. Price is right, Bob. Yeah. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Later, dude. Later. Later, man. Audio up.